everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O for anyone who's interested in spelling it. Yes, it's like Superman, and yes, it's like the comic book strip, just all spelled a little bit differently. So today, we'll be interviewing Spencer McDonald of Spencer's Jerkin' Jerky. So Spencer, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great, Justin. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, And so, Spencer, tell us a little bit about how you got started and and why you wanted to to start a beef jerky company. Yeah, so uh, kind of a funny story. I mean, the the how and why um, kind of of go hand in hand, but I really honestly started it completely by mistake. Um, I used to work in quality assurance. I still work for the same company, but I used to have the ability to actually, you know, work from home one day a week. And I would keep the TV on in the background and stuff like that. And this infomercial came on for a power air fryer oven. And it was something I've been thinking about buying for a while. Like the power air fryer, I had some friends with them, but I never saw this one with the oven. Uh, if you've never seen the infomercial, it's like a five hour long infomercial. So it was on pretty much my whole day at work. And at one point he started making beef jerky in it. And that's kind of what tipped the scales for me to actually take the time to order this thing. So I ordered it. It showed up at my house a couple of days later, and I had plans to make a whole bunch of different food in this thing, but the first thing I wanted to make was the beef jerky. So I opened up the recipe book. They had a basic recipe, and you know I tweaked that a little bit, and I made two pounds of jerky. Uh, that's what it called for in the recipe. And then the first thing I did was take it with me down to my local pub, and I was just eating some of it right out of like a paper lunch bag. So some of the other people at the bar were like, what are you eating? And I explained that it was beef jerky, let them try some. And without even telling them that I made it, they right away were wondering where they could buy it. So from that point, the first person who tried it wanted to buy that same size bag, two pounds of jerky. And then it kind of expanded from there, just people trying it. And then after about a week, week and a half, I sold like $650 worth of beef jerky. And I decided maybe this is something I should uh, actually, you know, give a shot. (laughs) That's an incredible story, actually. Just right away, right off the bat, $650. So, I mean, do you do all the packaging yourself? And, and I mean, it's got to be time-consuming. And is it your full-time job, or are you still leading up to, to making it a full-time job? Yeah, so, you know, I, I've got a lot of support and a lot of help here and there from friends, but it really is, a, you know, a one-man operation. Um, I, I like to call it a full-time job because I feel like I do put that amount of hours into it. But no, I still do work um, for a security company full-time during the day. And then I find time before and after uh, you know, that job to actually do everything everything myself. You know, I make all the marinades made to order for each batch. Uh, you know, I buy the steak from the butcher for each batch as soon as the person orders. And then I do all the packaging, all the labeling, uh, you know, everything you know, myself. And so um, tell the audience where they can find you, how they can order your product. And I know you're in Ashburn, Virginia. So what are some of the locations they can find your products at? Sure. So uh, the best place to find me, you can go right to my website. It's uh, spencersjerkinjerky.com. And there's no G on jerkin. It's just jerkin. And, you know, you can order from there. Uh, I have all five flavors on there of my beef jerky. Uh, I have an original, an Old Bay a mandarin jalapeno, a lemon pepper, and then also a habanero bourbon. 
Um, like I was saying earlier, everything's fresh, made to order by the pound. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, marketplaces. That will all link you right back to my website. Um, as far as trying to find me in stores, I'm not really in too many as far as like brick and mortars yet. There are a few breweries that you can find around the area that I've partnered with and I sold them some jerky. What I'll actually do from time to time is I'll find a brewery that's maybe doing say a beer release, whether it's a beer release event or just a beer that they are um, going to release. They'll give it to me ahead of time. And what I'll do is I'll think of a flavor that kind of goes with that beer and include that beer in the marinade itself and then help them market it that way on social media. Um, so there is a place called eavesdrop brewery. They're down in Yorkshire, Virginia. They actually made a purchase and would sell that jerky with the beer itself. And then the best place to find me, I'm there usually a couple of times a month is a place called uh, Mustang Sally's. It's over in Chantilly right where route 28 and route 50 meet. And what I like to do there is I actually pop up a table and, you know, and I'll spend the whole day uh, selling smaller, smaller varieties of my jerky. So people can kind of try it before they commit to know buying multiple pounds of it. Well, I love that concept actually, that you'll take a beer release and you'll, and just maybe I, I want to make sure I understand, but you're infusing basically a beef jerky. You're creating a special beef jerky that complements their, their beer release and sort of doing an infusion. Is that, is that what I understand? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So eavesdrop was doing a, a lemon type beer. They actually used some different uh, plants that they actually grew on site of the brewery. And, you know, since it was more of a lemony beer, what I did is I made a lemon garlic jerky using that beer within the, you know, within the marinade, you know, marinate it for 24 hours and then, made them a whole bunch of uh, small bags that then what they did is they paired it right with that beer. So you could try the jerky while drinking the beer that was also infused with into the steak. <laughs> that I, I would never have thought to do that, but I love the marketing concept behind it. And I like that there's these unique beef jerkies that are sort of out there that you're infusing with the uh, beers. I mean, is there, I mean, do the breweries ever take interest in maybe making that kind of beef jerky a permanent option at their, their brewery? Because it seems, I never thought of it before, but it seems like so basic of an idea. It was obviously complicated in how you get there and brilliant, but it's also one of those things like, it's so obvious. Like, why not put beer marinated beef jerky from the beer that's in the breweries back into the store? Yeah, you know, it, it was actually something I thought up while I was standing there, you know, selling the beef jerky, and uh, I was just bringing my original flavor. Um, and I also make like a sweet and spicy candy bacon, and sometimes I'll, I'll bring my cookers with me, and I'll cook that on site. But, uh, you know, I was sitting there, and I was drinking one of their new beers, and that's kind of when I thought of it. You know, it wasn't something that like I really sat with pen and paper to think up. It literally was just at the brewery, and I was like, you know, I kind of want to try this. Um, I want to try to get that idea out there more because i do think that a lot of breweries you know could benefit from that uh you know i've only done it for a couple but that is kind of where i see myself steering some a lot of my business towards hopefully yeah i like that because it's different than what the other beef jerky companies are doing and i think you have a unique talent in doing that and it's something that you know while I say it seems so obvious, it's obviously something not so easy because you have to play with the marinades and do all that. And I, you know, spending my time in Colorado, there's literally breweries everywhere. I can't, you know, throw a stone without hitting one, which just shows you how popular there are in beer in, in states like Colorado have become. 
And so having the infusion with the beverage and the food, um, I think you're really on to something. And I, God, I'm like, I'm actually really impressed because it's, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur myself and spending my whole life in food, it's really great that you take two products and combine them into one, one, because it's brilliant marketing. Your marketing power is now, you know, it's not a times two, it's a, you know, to the power of two because it's exponential, but it's also one of those things where we need to do more of it. Like we we're too worried about competition and separating out food to different places. And I truly believe, you know, we're at a point in our life where we can help each other market to combine products. It's, you know, it's no mistake. Taco Bell uses Dorito taco shells. You know, they've thought about this exactly. and the power of double marketing and, you know, so it's, um, it's really cool that you're doing that. And I, and I really love this concept and, you know, one of the things that as I talk to breweries now on the podcast, I'm, I'm literally going to mention you because, and so you've just done that and marketed through me because I'm like, holy crap, like what a great idea and what a way to compliment the beer because who doesn't like beef jerky when they're drinking beer, it, the saltiness and then the exactly. smoothness of the beer. And it's just, it's a brilliant concept. So um, how did you come up with your five main flavors? Um, and then I want to come back to this, but I'm, I'm curious cause you just mentioned it. How did you come up with them? So, uh, you know, it all started with the original flavor. I, I can't remember how many months, but I mean, to start, I really only had, you know, the one flavor. And the reason why I call it original is it not, it's not only because it's obviously the first one I made, but it's one of those ones where I just feel like it's a really just a traditional beef jerky with my spin on it. But there's not like one key flavor that jumps out at you that I would stick that name to it. Now, from there, when it started to expand, the second flavor I made was my habanero bourbon flavor. Uh, that actually kind of happened by mistake also. So I grew up most of my life actually in New Jersey, and I usually make a trip back once a year and go to the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival. So I don't know how many beer festivals uh, you've gone to, but normally people like to walk around with these necklaces with all the pretzels on them so that they have something you know salty to snack on and you know eat between the different beers. So this was right after I started the company, maybe a month or two later. So I just had a big bag of beef jerky in my pocket. And I was walking around the brew, uh, and like trying out all the different beers, you know, and they also have a lot of different vendors there. And I stumbled upon this company out of Cape May, New Jersey. They're called Busy Bees NJ, and they are a company that makes honey. They have a lot of, you know, all natural wildflower honeys. What really caught my eye about them, though, was they have honeys that they infuse with peppers and they grow all these peppers organically on the same location as the, as the honey. So I actually left there with a habanero infused honey. And when I got back to Virginia, that's why I decided to make this habanero bourbon flavor. And then it kind of expanded from there. I actually traded them a couple pounds of beef jerky for a bunch of pounds of honey. And we actually shipped them back and forth from each other. So I bought some other flavors. So I used them in my lemon pepper flavor. I also use one of their uh, really spicy honeys. It's called Blazing Bees. I use that in my Old Bay flavor, which makes my Old Bay like, nice and spicy. And then the lemon pepper, you know, I just always liked lemon pepper. Unfortunately, that one doesn't have like a, a long-winded or cool story, but 
you know, their, their honey uh, really helped me kind of make some different flavors. I think it brings a good tenderness to it. And uh, they're a good company to look up to because they're really into, you know, helping bees. He goes around and talks to different people about, you know, really making sure that these bees stay around for us. Well, and I love, and word of the mouth is the best type of marketing, in my opinion. And uh, the way I literally have recruited most of the people on the podcast, I mean, I use social media a lot, but a lot of it has become word of mouth and people coming to me. So, I mean, I'd love for you to mention the podcast, and I'd love to have them on since they complement your product as well. And uh, and maybe even if I could get them on soon enough, I could do a double header with the two of you guys back to back on the episode release since you complement off each other. So that would be pretty cool um if you want to mention to him i'd love to do it and i'd love to hear about the bee education and things like that uh just because we are trying to give back but i love the the infusion thing and i want to talk about the old bay thing because anyone who's listening in um and we are being streamed in over 31 countries right now as well as all over the united states but old bay is one of these regional things i feel like that's so true to the chesapeake bay in maryland and virginia that i'm not sure the whole rest of the world understands what an incredible thing old bay spices so i love that you're putting in the beef jerky but I want to sort of go off on a tangent a little bit about how you know maryland blue crabs coming out of the chesapeake bay are some of the most incredible crabs. They're smaller. You have to work a lot harder than the big crabs, and you need at least like 10 to 12 to fill up, so it's a lot of work. But Old Bay on French fries and Old Bay on crabs and seafood is just such a staple of, you know, the mid-Atlantic United States that I love that you actually took that and represented it in a beef jerky. And I'm like, gosh, I, I miss that flavor. And as you're talking about, it, it's just such a staple of my childhood and growing up and things like that, that I think that's a really amazing flavor um, to have in, in your profile. So that's sort of that. And anyone who hasn't tried Old Bay, obviously I, we're just talking about a vehicle to try it. So order some beef jerky from Spencer and uh, have it shipped out to you because old bay is incredible you can even buy it just the seasoning and i have a i don't have the actual old bay like we have in in maryland i every time i go back i try to buy some i have sort of an imitation kind in my thing here and it's not quite the same but it's enough for me to sprinkle on things like french fries and potatoes to sort of throw me back a little bit to back in the day but i love that you're doing that yeah, it was one of those things. Like, I grew up around Old Bay, even though I, you know, I'm not from the Maryland area. Just, but I, I did live in Virginia as a kid, and then also just I lived right outside Atlantic City, so you know, seafood was still very prevalent there. And you know, everyone always loved Old Bay. And when I was trying to think of flavors, it was one of those ones I looked up, and I really only saw one other company uh, that really did like an Old Bay flavored jerky. There might be more, but my Google search only really showed me one. Um, and at the same time, I was trying to make something, you know, a little bit on the spicier side. A lot of people were wanting something with a little bit more of a kick. So, you know, I kind of did a two birds with one stone and made my old day flavor and has a nice little kick on the end too. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be seeing an order from me in the next week because I, I need some of that. I want to try it so bad. I'm like, wow, what it is an incredible idea and just so unique and, and so regionally yet has such a national and international appeal in my opinion um 
you know, so anyone who's, who's out there listening in, you probably want to try all the beef jerkies, but really, if you want to get a flavor of Maryland and Virginia and the, the mid Atlantic and Delaware and all of those areas, um, you know, Southern Jersey, I really think it's so important that you try it. Even the Carolinas, I think I've started getting into the old Bay thing, but, um, Okay, so we've talked about the flavors, and, and and so how long ago did you start your company? Uh, it, it's, it was last February, so it's been a little bit over a year now um, since you know I ordered the cooker and made that first batch. So yeah, it's been been a little bit over a year and it's, since I got everything started. It's quite an incredible journey, and I your social media presence is is awesome, and what you're doing on there, so. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. You start the company and you hit the ground running. What steps did you take to launch the company? Yeah, you know, so it really started uh, with just friends and stuff like that. And kind of honestly, one of my first marketing strategies was whenever somebody locally, because I didn't, I didn't necessarily ship it at first, uh, but whenever somebody locally wanted to pick it up, Rather than have me drop it off in their mailbox or have them meet me at my house, I would always have them meet up with me at the pub. And the reasoning for that was kind of twofold. It was nice and easy. We could have a beer. I could you know, let them try it, see what they thought about it. But then at the same time, when someone has a bag of beef jerky, I, it's very rare that someone doesn't ask them for a piece or they don't offer a piece. So I'd go there. They'd open up their big bag of beef jerky and start eating it. Their friend would try some, and then I would usually leave with more orders than you know I arrived with. So that was kind of how I how I kind of started it before I got into you know shipping it and everything like that. I mean, that's literally the definition of word of mouth, right? They're actually tasting it and uh, and seeing it, and you know, it's not just the word; it's actually they're getting the flavor profile and ordering more. Exactly. Yeah. And then from there, I mean, it expanded and now, uh, I, I'd have to count them up again shortly, but I think I'm at, you know, 20 something States, you know, throughout the U S that it's been shipped to, uh, it's seen the Virgin islands. And then, uh, even the old Bay flavor has made it all the way out to Kuwait. Um, I did send some out to, to somebody in the army out there at one point. Yeah. And I actually knew it was in the Virgin Island. Deborah and I were there back in February with my parents and it's sort of where I caught on to, to seeing it out there and someone had mentioned it at the resort we were at. And so that's sort of, I believe where we started. I think I followed you first and then we sort of reached out from there, but I can't remember exactly, but I really do love the way you do your social media and your marketing. And um, 20 states in Kuwait, that's a pretty impressive launch. So at what point does this, you know, do you say, okay, I need to hang up my cleats in my daily life and, and do this? And, and what is sort of the goals then for the future in doing that? Yeah, you know, I definitely want to keep the, you know, the online and the social media presence going and everything like that um you know I have, I have a lot of fun you know messing around photoshop and making different images and stuff like that seeing seeing what grabs people's attention but uh kind of going back to the the whole infusion thing i, I really do think that breweries is going to be what could take me to that next step and kind of make this you know maybe my only full-time job um i don't know how breweries were where you're out in colorado and stuff like that but one of the things that's somewhat interesting about the breweries in Virginia anyway, is uh, the ABC laws down here that, you know, the alcohol laws are a little bit strict where, you know, you have to have a 49, 51% split between your food and alcohol, unless you put your brewery in an industrial park. 
So we have tons of breweries around us and they're all kind of hidden in these really plain looking, you know, brick style buildings. But it's because a lot of them, you know, they got into breweries because they want to mess with beer. They don't want to mess with food. And that's kind of also what made me kind of think about that infusion idea too, is because like you said earlier, who doesn't want to snack on, you know, something savory and salty like that while they're drinking. But also when there's no food within the brewery, it, you know, it's even more so uh, popular. And then the people that really come in to try beers and try new IPAs and stuff like that, their reaction's priceless when you tell them that it's within the jerky. And then they, 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 because it's in the jerky, they've already decided what beer they need to go now order from the bar. Um, so I, 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 it's gone well, so well every time I've done it that I think I just need to have more breweries, you know, see it, give it a shot. And I think that's really what's going to, you know, springboard this sport. Well, and I, and I really love this idea because, um, here in Colorado, most of the breweries don't serve food. So it's caused this huge food truck boom in, in Denver and Colorado where, you know, the food trucks rotate at the breweries, which is great for the breweries because they don't need to serve food and have the staff and worry about all the food laws that they have to go under and they can rotate the type of food they serve every night, right? Because you can bring in a new food truck every time. But with the beef jerky, it's something that's shelf stable for the most part that they can have available at their breweries for people to snack on. And it's a good thing. Well, here's why it's salty and it tastes good and it complements the beer, but the saltiness helps people consume more beer and not like you want people leaving drunk. That's not what I'm saying. And nor do I propose that. But what I am saying is if they have something to eat, they're putting something in their stomach so they can drink more, but they're also getting this cool thing. I mean, it's like wine and cheese, in my opinion, you know, they used to serve pickles at bars because the saltiness and stuff would help people drink more. But I think you're really on to something here with the beef jerky and the complimenting of the beers that are served. I mean, it, literally a brewery could have a jerky that complements each type of their thing. And it could be like they do with wine. It could be a sampling with the ch- each type of cheese and it's a complimentary thing. And, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a little bit different, but I, I do like where you're going with this. And I think, that it's really cool that you're doing it. And uh, I really recommend that breweries really take a look at this because, I mean, you're taking their thing that they've already put their blood, sweat, and tears in, infusing it into your beef jerky. You know, you get to profit, you know, and then they get to profit by selling more things than just beer out of their their brewery. So I think that's so cool. Um, it's really a brilliant idea, and I've never thought about it until just now. Um but you obviously thought about it when you were doing it. And I think you're really onto something. So, um, I will pass your name on to any brewery that's on the show and, and do the things that you're doing, because I think it's quite unique. So how did you come up with the logo? How did you come up with the name for your company? Tell us a little bit about that and, and sort of that journey. Yeah, so the the logo one's always a funny conversation for me or funny question for me because I've tweaked it a couple times, you know, over the past year or so. And uh, initially I had like the vector uh, with with my face on it, which I still use it from time to time. It's still slapped on the side of my Wrangler. But (laughs) I had a lot of friends, most of my guy friends, they're like, hey, you know what? I would love to buy one of your t-shirts. I would love to buy one of your sweatshirts. But no, no offense, but I really don't want to wear something with your face on it that yeah. big in the middle, in the middle of my chest. And I was like, okay, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so then, you know, over time, just tweaking around some different things, 
you know, I, I made the, the new one that I have now, you know, just the white circle and the, the blue um, in the middle, kind of like the teal color. Um, I, I think I like subconsciously, you know, looked at like the old Santa Cruz logo growing up. Um, if you're familiar with that company, they make snowboards and stuff like that. And uh, that's kind of where I came up with my new logo. Uh, as far as the name, it was just kind of something, just something random that, that I thought about. Uh, it just kind of, was one of those ones that got thrown out there in the air and it just kind of flowed pretty well and kind of went with it. So I don't have as cool of a story as far as the, as the name's concerned, but uh, uh, yeah, the logo one always, always makes me laugh. Yeah. I love that. And actually I think I remember seeing a logo with your face on it at one time. Um, I wonder if it just stirred up while I was doing research, but now that you just said that, I'm like, Hmm, I remember that, but I do love the logo and I do love the reference to skateboards and snowboards, especially being out here in Colorado and snow country. Um, although most of the time it's sunny 300 days a year. So, um, it's, um, it's really cool. And I think really what you're doing is such a, a new age thing with the jerky, the way you're marketing it and using social media and then your concepts. So, um, do you, I, I just want to put this into perspective. So, um, do you have a background in being an entrepreneur? Is it something that your family did or is it just something you're like, okay, I had this air fryer, let's go in this direction. I'm going to go the entrepreneurial route just because people love buying it is sort of the path led to you. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I personally don't have really too much of a background with that. Uh, and no one really in my family, you know, started like their own business from the ground up, anything like that. It was, like I said, it really was just something that happened on a whim, something that I really never had any plans of doing. Um, I mean, I think a lot of us in the back of our mind always like wish we could do that, wish we could find and uh, what niche or find something that somebody wants. I mean, I grew up watching Shark Tank most of my life. You know, I always loved that show. Um, seen a lot of different, you know, beef jerky companies on there. Uh, one of the cooler moments was when I've had like somebody from, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this company, they're called um, Three Jerks Jerky. They make beef jerky, but their little niche is they make it using filet mignon. And they were on Shark Tank a while ago and they got a deal with, I forget who, but I've had them like and comment on my post. And like that kind of felt me feel uh, a little bit more validated almost that I'm doing something that, like that I saw on TV at one point, you know? But yeah, it, it was never really planned. <laughs> No, and I think that's, I mean, that's a lot of people, right? They get into food and beverage and it's, they picked up on something and people like it and they're like, oh my gosh, where can I get more of this? And then off to the races and, and the willingness to learn. And not everyone succeeds or, or does what you're doing and adjusts and, and comes up with idea and pivots and, and moves forward. So I think that's incredible. So you produce the own beef jerky, you, you package it. It's really made to order, which I think is a brilliant concept. You're not just making it and hoping it sells. You're really just making it to order and it's sort of just in time production and, and lean production. So I really, those are two huge concepts, meaning you're not carrying inventory. You're not carrying the marinade. You're not carrying pre-made product already. You're actually making it as the demand comes in, which I think is a huge, um, is a, is a brilliant concept for any entrepreneur where, you know, we, they get into co-packers and they've got to buy certain lots and, and all of that. And they get too big too early. And then they carry all this inventory and put all this money into their product versus going out and, and marketing it. And then the other thing I like is that you marketed it without really spending any dollars. 
you know, and I, you know, you're going to the pubs and you're handing it out to people and you're using word, word of mouth to, to really get it out there and actually testing it with people and letting them try it as well as going to breweries that don't have food and then the whole social media piece. So, I mean, it's all new and it just sort of came to you. And I think that's pretty incredible. I'd say you've got a knack for being an entrepreneur and you're well on your way. So that's pretty cool. So, I mean, you're on your way. You've, you've started this company now. What are some of the hardships that you, you're facing right now or, or things that you feel that you know you need to, to do better? Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting is, you know, I might go one day, two days, you know, without any orders. And then, you know, more recently I had a period of time where I went 23 days where at least one person ordered. And when I say one person ordered, I had situations where somebody ordered, you know, all five flavors of the beef jerky. And then they also wanted to order of, you know, the sweet and spicy candied bacon. And that's kind of where it gets a little bit more interesting for me. And, you know, kind of backtracking to the made to order concept, you know, initially my thought process was exactly that, you know, I don't know how popular this is going to be yet. I don't want to get a whole bunch of inventory and then, you know, see myself with all this, you know, beef jerky, which, you know, it, it lasts, you know, for as long as you need it, it's all vacuum sealed, but I didn't want to run into that situation. But kind of one of the, the pitfalls from that is when I do get, you know, a ton, a ton of bulk orders, the turnaround might not be as fast as I want it. Now I've never had a single person really ever give me any flack about any turnaround. I think I've never gone more than a week without somebody receiving their product, but I really like to turn it around within, you know, 48 to 72 hours. Because like I was saying earlier, when I receive that order, that's when I talk to the butcher. That's when I buy your steak. That's when I go home and I make your marinade fresh for your batch, you know? And then I marinate everything for at least 24 hours before I actually cook your jerky. So sometimes the turnaround, I think I'm a little bit hard on my own standards, but I still feel like I'm getting it to the customers fast enough. So really what it's going to come down to is uh, I'm just going to keep buying more and more cookers as I have been. (laughs) And so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you're still working a full-time job and then you're taking in orders and then doing the beef jerky. I mean, so what is your, uh, let's say you get in five orders uh, today. What do the next two days of your life look like, including work and, and time for whatever else, just to give an idea of how much time you spend on all of it? Yeah, so uh, I'm a little bit old school. I like writing everything down. So I always have a pad of paper. So as I get the orders, even though I get them emailed to me and all that fun stuff, I, I sit there and I write down every person's name, every order. Once I do that, I write down on how much steak I need, how much bacon I need. And then from there, I do a little bit of inventory on, you know, my stuff for the marinades. Okay, I need to make these five flavors. Do I have enough to make, you know, this 10 pounds of jerky for those five flavors? And then that's when I make my shopping list. And then at that point, usually I'm waking up, you know, as soon as the stores open so that I can go get all my shopping done, secure enough steak and everything so that I can get to, uh, you know, my full-time job at the office. So then I'll be at the office and, you know, I'll spend my, you know, my eight or nine hours there. And then after that's when I'm hopefully getting home, crafting all the marinades, getting everything marinated. And then the next day is when I'm actually able to then go ahead and start cooking it. So 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much how, what it comes down to. And then, you know, obviously I'm always packaging and stuff too. So a lot of times I'm driving to work with a duffel bag, you know, full of packages, you know, all signed up for, uh, for UPS. And then I use the Dropbox on my main level of my office to drop them all in. Um, I really like to post those on social media. I did it the first time just, just because, and then uh, people seem to really like it for whatever reason they like to know, you know, where's this order going next? Uh, I was surprised how many use just a simple video of me dropping something into the ups box generates but it it really does no and that's an amazing thing and you touched upon something that i myself have had a huge amount of success with and i did um i had a clothing line that i was an investor in for a while back outside of food just show you where my entrepreneurial journey is taking me all over the place and um and i was heavily involved in it but when we first started um, back then, and um, I no, no longer involved in, I cashed out. But when we first started, and the first set of orders came in, and we would pack up the T-shirts in the the um, United States Post Office boxes and sort of pack them, and then they would send them out and show the videos of all of it going and all the amount of carts and the amount of boxes in the outbound, and the amount of social media response we got was just. I mean, it was incredible. So I I think that's such a huge thing that people see success in the brands that they're buying and it really emotionally ties them to it. And uh, that's awesome. And uh, I definitely am going to go back and look at that and make sure I use it as a repost when I post your episode because I think it's so important that people see it and you are being successful. I mean, 20 states and, and the product line's growing. And so we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I don't think we fully got into it. You know, you just keep buying more fryers, but at what point, I mean, do you have an idea of when you have to expand into producing in a different environment and and where do orders need to be where you actually have to have help to do all of this? I mean, right now you're managing it all yourself, but, you know, um, I assume that, I mean, I don't know if you have a significant other or not or what that looks like because you're obviously dedicating your life to your job right now and the brand. So at what point do you need to say, hey, I've got to take this thing to the next level? Yeah, you know, um, you touched on just there, but uh, yeah, I don't know when I'll need like direct help with packaging and stuff like that. But like I was saying earlier, I, I, you know, I do get a lot of support from, uh, from friends and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend's actually the one, if you look at a lot of like my more professional pictures, not the ones that I kind of, uh, take with my cell phone that don't look the best, but you know, all the pictures are on my website. Um, you know, she took all of those pictures as well. Um, and you know, she's a professional photographer, so that's kind of what she does. So we kind of help each other out similarly to how I'm, you know, trying to help out the breweries and stuff like that, you know, she took some pictures of my jerky and then she can use those to, you know, market her company. And at the same time, when I try to post some of those pictures every now and then I make sure, you know, I'll tag her company, try to drive, you know, her some business as well. Uh, as far, uh, as far as going back to a different environment and stuff like that, it, it has been a complicated, you know, question in my head for a while. Cause at some points in time, I feel like, you know what, I just need to buy an industrial size dehydrator and I need to be able to make, you know, 10 pounds in the cooker at a time. But what I've really noticed is it's not so much that I need to make bulk in one flavor. It, every flavor is more popular every other week. So what it really comes down to is just having enough fryers that I can cook 
each flavor kind of dedicated in its own cooker because you can't uh, just the way the cookers work because they have, a, uh, you know, a mesh basket, you would have drippage and the flavors would kind of, you know, contaminate each other. So yeah. they always have to be cooked separately. So that's kind of where I see it going is just, I'm going to eventually hopefully have, you know, six cookers, one for each flavor and then one specifically for the bacon and, and kind of go from there. I bet the air fryer company's loving you right now. But I think what you're talking about also <laughs> is in, in, in the way you know, marketing is done is that you're doing it in small batches, which makes sure that the flavor's right and that there's not cross-contamination or cross-flavoring. And it's so important. And real quick, um, will you mention your girlfriend and plug her company also? Uh, you can go into detail if you want and where people can find her. So we promote her business as well, because I am looking at the pictures as we speak. And I um, I like what she's doing for you as well. So I want to make sure we uh, plug her. So go ahead and give the audience her information. Yeah. So her Instagram, it's E M G photography. Um, I believe there's some, some underscores in there. Uh, once we're done here, I'll, I'll make another post. So anyone who, you know, finds their way to my page from the podcast, they can definitely go ahead and, you know, click right on hers as well. You know, she does a pretty much any photography you would need. She's also right in the Ashburn area. So, you know, whether it's, you know, just some pictures of, you know, your kids, you know, you're getting proposed to, you're having a wedding, um, or, you know, some people like just get pictures taken with their animals. I mean, she'll, she'll do any of that for you guys. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And um, her, she does great with food. So anyone out there that wants food photography or social media stuff, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, so there's that. Okay, so we've talked about all the fryers and, and the batches and stuff like that. Do you have plans to introduce new flavors? I mean, we talked about the breweries and infusing that. So that's a whole category. But is there... You know, is there other flavors, you know, staple ones that you want to add to your five brands that you're thinking about? Or you got your hands full with the five and the candy bacon, which I do want to talk a little bit about um, and understand what candy bacon is. Um, but go yeah, ahead. We could, yeah, we could de we can definitely touch on the on the bacon as well. Um, yeah. You know, I get asked that question a lot as far as, you know, what flavor is going to come next? You know, and I always do like to bring out something new because everyone wants to try, you know, the new best thing. Um, I definitely would say in most cases I have my hands full with the five. Um, that's why I try to do a lot of the stuff that we're talking about with the breweries and kind of do like an exclusive flavor, you know. And when I go to the brewery, I'll bring 10 pounds of that flavor. So I'm like, hey, I have 10 pounds of this flavor, you know, come out to the event. I'll only have it here. Uh, in most cases it's it's gone before i leave and if it's not i might have a couple bags left over and every once in a while people at my office get the get the chance to try those without driving out to the brewery but yeah i, I have a couple ideas that i'm dancing around with but nothing that i'm uh necessarily planning to put directly like into production yet yeah i love that and uh so tell us the audience i mean you talked about candy bacon so what i believe that's what you call it and maybe i've got it wrong but yeah how do you candy bacon and and you don't need to get into real specific details because obviously we want to protect your recipe but what does that mean and and you, it's obviously popular or you wouldn't be producing it so you know tell me about that yeah so uh before i before i dive into exactly what it is i'll kind of i'll kind of tell you how it came to be because kind of uh <laughs> 
the 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 reoccurring theme with my company and how this all happened is just kind of things happening by mistake or or unintentionally so you know like i was saying earlier you know i work full-time for a security company i actually work within their call center so one of the things we like to do is during our weekly team meetings every once in a while maybe once or twice a month we'll plan a potluck and then to anyone who's ever worked in an office knows that you want to avoid every single person from bringing sodas or plates or cupcakes. So what we try to do to eliminate that is we'll pick a theme, right? So we happen to be having this potluck uh, and like a week later, it was going to be breakfast theme. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to bring beef jerky to a breakfast potluck, but what I could do is make some bacon and actually going back to the air fryer again, within the uh, recipe book you get with them, it did have a recipe for candy bacon. Now, candy bacon is basically you buy some thick cut bacon and then you want to do a dry rub. So the way I like to do it is I like to use some spices that are hot and then also some brown sugar just to give it some of that extra sweetness. And then what most people do, if you go to any restaurant and order candy bacon, anything like that, they like to use maple syrup. I'm not a big maple fan. I really don't like maple flavor in anything. So I actually swap up in molasses and I coat everything with molasses once it's dry rubbed and then I air fry it. And what it does is it kind of gives a nice like crystallized, almost like a crunchy coating to the outside of the bacon. Um, if anyone's ever had say like a honey baked ham from the honey baked ham store, I don't know how nationally known that place is, but we always ate it around here growing up. It will have like this crystallized like honey on the back of the ham. It, it, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like a crystal coating within the within the jerky or within the bacon rather yeah speaking of another staple um well i believe it's pretty national spread nothing like a virginia ham um and uh and the way they do that for sure um and so i mean you're cooking the bacon and i mean that's just it seems incredible like i would have never thought about it and nor have i tried it so it's probably something else i'm going to order here over the next couple of days uh because i want to try it because i'm curious Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I brought it. I brought it to that potluck. I had never made it before, and then knowing everyone knowing that I had the jerky company, when they tried the bacon, they immediately said, "Well, oh, well, how much do you sell the bacon for?" So that's actually you know, how the bacon actually started being sold through my company. Uh, it was again nothing I intended on doing, even though I made it, brought it to work, had no intentions of ever selling it, but then people asked. Oh, how can I buy it after they tried it? So that's kind of how that one started too. I mean, there's probably a whole, I mean, you have one flavor now, but I wonder if there's a whole plethora of flavors uh, related to bacon, just like in beef jerky where you could old bay it. Or I know the bacon that I love out here at the grocery store, it's a jalap, they use a jalapeno vinegar marinade. And it just tastes okay. so much better than the normal bacon. But I don't know. I'm just, you know, I like brainstorming too while we're on the podcast because I'm like, it's just, you know, there's so many concepts out there and so many ways that food can be explored and, and concepts. So, so I don't know, maybe there's probably other bacon flavors out there. Candied, I guess, means it's sugary, but maybe there's, you know, the sweet bacon or whatever. I don't know how you would do it, but I have no idea. But I just, it comes to mind because there's so many different types of bacon also and, and different ways to make it. And if it's popular, there's probably a market there, I got to assume. And, who doesn't love bacon? I mean, the whole reason, and Deborah and I, as we're launching 
the studio here. We have one in Littleton, Colorado. Um, we will have a mobile studio so we can come visit people. But we've also just launched the studio in Milledgeville, Georgia, because of the popularity of the podcast and trying to get people in. And we travel quite a bit, so we're trying to make sure we can take the podcast with us since it's not our real jobs per se. And, um, but one of the things that we, we came up with is actually in, in developing this is a better with bacon fat studios, you know? So that's the name of of sort of the (laughs) studios that produce the podcast because there's so many layers to producing a podcast. As we learned over the last 12 weeks, drinking through a fire hose and doing this. Um, but bacon is just so good and everyone loves it and it's just um it's just pretty incredible so i love that you guys have created a bacon product and i'm definitely interested in trying it um so we're now over a year down the road is there anything that you would go back that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started the business that you know advice that you would give yourself a year ago that you know now yeah i mean not that it's been easy or anything like that, uh, but I haven't run into like too many like huge, huge roadblocks. But one one of the ones I did run into that I, I wish I had known initially was actually still related to the bacon was um, so like, you know, the jerky, it, it's vacuum sealed. I can ship that anywhere. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. It, it can go anywhere. Right. However, bacon, you know, being that it's it's fatty, it's not salt cured or anything like that that needs to typically, you know, maintain, you know, a, a decently cold temperature, you know, if it's going to be longer than, you know, a couple hours. So I had somebody order bacon and, and it was going out to Texas. Now with UPS, you know, standard Texas takes about four business days. However, in this instance, it was summertime and it was going to be shipped out on a Thursday. So it wasn't going to get there until maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday, the next week. So I was like, okay, I obviously need to put this on dry ice, right? So I look up how much dry ice costs. It's like a dollar twenty-five for a pound. I was like, ah, done, easy. So then, you know, they made the order. I went out to the store. I went to go buy the dry ice, and come to find, you can't simply buy like a pound of dry ice. You have to buy how much, however much this bag weighs. So I ended up having to buy. I think it was like nine and a half pounds of dry ice when I really only needed about a half pound to package this one bacon order. Uh, now, luckily they did order a bunch of jerky too. So, you know, I still profited from the jerky, but uh, I, I pretty much lost and spent money to send them out my bacon uh, because of this whole dry ice fiasco. Cause uh, I don't, I didn't have a way to store the dry ice to actually make it last. So I could use it in the future or anything like that. And so what do you do now? I mean, do you still have to go buy dry ice every time you ship bacon? You know, I'll do it different ways. Uh, you know, if it's only going to say, you know, New Jersey, what I can actually do is I can actually kind of like flash freeze the bacon and then ship it that way. It usually gets there within, if, if I drop it off and it ships out at 730 at night, they usually have it before noon the next day. So that's kind of one of the ways I'll get around it. Um, but yeah, if it's having to go further, you know, I will pick up some dry ice. Um, if not dry ice, you know, I've found some i've tested out some different packaging with like some different like almost like ice packs stuff like that um and then one of the things i actually had to do uh, originally i was selling the bacon for the exact same price as the jerky uh and you got actually an extra half pound of bacon in that in that regard but uh i actually had to just 
add five bucks to it just to compensate for having to, you know, keep it, keep it cold and, and shipping. So that, that was one of the, probably the major lesson I learned was that the bacon was definitely a, a little bit more, uh, took a little bit more thought process than say the jerky did as far as like shipping and making sure, you know, I'm getting something that's still, you know, cold and, you know, ready, ready for them and not, you know, I, I can't have it like spoil or anything like that in the mail. Yeah. That's uh in food. Uh, that's one of the biggest problems we have in um, perishable items. And we ship a lot of food for our customers that we have over the mail and, and they do a lot of that um, in home meals and stuff like that as, as people, the trend is going, but it is the biggest hurdle. And actually it's a huge cost, the insulated boxes, the, the dry ice or the ice packs, depending on what our clients prefer to ship to their customers. And it's absolutely this huge, you know, you know, shipping of food is just so complicated, especially if it's not, you know, shelf stable, like you're talking about with the jerky. Um, but I also love what you've done in the way you're growing. You're doing it in a way that's sustainable. So, you know, your failures, while they're not quite failures they're and you're learning from them, they're, they're less hard on you as a business and you're able to do it in, in a, such a sustainable way that um, I just really like what you're doing there for sure. Uh, just as a side Thanks. note. Um, so as, as we continue to talk, um, you know, you're doing this and, and you're growing, but what real, what is the motivation behind all of it? I mean, really what inspires you every day to keep going? Cause at any point you could be like, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to hang them, you know, my cleats for lack of a better term, but really what's driving you to keep doing this? I mean, you have your other job and you, you have this life, but what is it that keeps you going and marinating every day and taking orders and producing the product? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I won't lie. There was maybe like within the first like three or four months, you know, it, like I told you, like, you know, first week, week and a half, $650. I think uh, I had to be humbled a couple times because when it picked up like that, I was just like, all right, great. You know what? It's always going to be like this. I, I you know I'm hitting the ground running. I'm going to I'm going to be able to sell like this all the time. And then there was times back then where, you know, I went a week without orders and I was it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe it really flared out. It was just friends trying it. It was just family trying it. Um, but then it's really, once I really got into the brewery scene, uh, that's when I really got a lot more motivated because it, not that I don't trust my family and friends giving me, you know, positive reviews and stuff like that. But, you know, I always took it with a grain of salt because, you yeah, know, these, they know I'm trying to start a company. They want to be motivating. They want to, you know, they want to be kind. Um, and you know, I still got some feedback and like some suggestions from people, but the first time I set up at a brewery, I actually brought my cookers with me and I was making the bacon on site too. And I think I had four and a half pounds of bacon with me and I was planning on spending 10 hours at the brewery and the bacon only lasted two hours. It, it sold out. And I had people buying the bacon, going back to their table, coming back up, getting more. And then the same thing was happening with the jerky. They were walking back to their table, they're biting it. They're handing a friend a piece. They were coming back and getting more. You know, and these were complete strangers, you know, they didn't have any reason to tell me anything other than what they really felt. And those days where I, you know, I was making 20 pounds of beef jerky and going to the brewery, I was like, I have no idea if I'm going to be able to sell 20 pounds of beef jerky. I just wanted to bring enough. And then days where I actually did and actually sold that much of my product, that's what really started to make me believe a little bit more in myself. And think back at those times where I had weeks where I wasn't selling, realized I was you know, kind of being foolish and being too hard on myself. So 
you know, seeing that level of success with strangers is kind of what drive me forward. And then I just feel like it's only been a year. It's only been a little more than a year. So imagine what I can do in three years, four years, five years. Right. And, uh, we've touched on a couple of times, but you know, I really do think the dream is to be able to say, this is my full-time job. You know, I am my own boss and I accidentally started a beef jerky company that now, you know, supports me and my family. And I think that that's really the, uh, the end goal that really motivates me. And I love that. And actually I, the ups and down pieces, which is, is sort of me what we talk about in failures or, or things that make us successful. Like even when I started the podcast, well, one, I'm volunteering my time, but the, the part was, is there were like, okay, like friends and family and people spread the word. And the first two weeks when we did the podcast, it was awesome. And people were listening in. And then this weird thing happened where, you know, as that sort of wore off, there was these up and down days where there was a, a couple of days in like weeks three and four where we didn't get a single download or a single listen. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm spending all this time and no one's listening. And, you know, I can be hard on myself and, 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 you know, getting through those and, and Deborah's like, okay, well, listen, like you just started this. What is really your expectation? Because, you know, you're not getting the word out. How do you expect it to do well? And you have all these people lined up to record, you know, so I had held myself accountable to making sure I kept moving forward. But there were times in there and there's still times where there's days where I'm like, I am so overwhelmed. Why am I doing this? But the result and the feedback that I get every once in a while and seeing, you know, that, it's affecting people. It's such a big deal. And it's like what you're doing with the beef jerky, not every day an order comes in, but it's still hugely successful. And now I don't have that thing anymore. I mean, we get over, you know, the lowest we go in a day now is, is about 111 downloads. So, you know, 12 weeks in, I'm like, holy crap, this thing's really taken off. And as I mentioned before, we're in over 31 countries now. Um, and in 12 weeks, but it took, you know, the bumps in the road and I've accelerated a little faster just because information is intangible. It just sort of is easily passed along and people have picked up on it. And, you know, weirdly, Ireland loves our podcast, people in Ireland and, and, uh, Australia and South Africa and, and India of all places. And, uh, but it's just so cool now that it's working and I get to share your guys' stories. And I really love your story because it's just the accidental entrepreneur and the way things happen. And then you it becomes a stream and you attach onto something. And it's sort of similar to the podcast and why I can relate to it is in, I don't have any experience in media. Like really, I mean, I've marketed and I do all these things, but I sort of learned on the fly how to put together a studio from someone. And I, and I learned about a software from someone that was doing their podcast. And then I threw all the pieces together and then it's really been trial and error, you know, and, and, and getting it out there and then really putting myself out there so people can give me feedback just like you do in the pub. And so there's just a parallel there that I love that I haven't talked about on the podcast with anyone before. And I normally don't talk too much about all the experiences and hardships, but there are those days that are hard where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm putting in all this time. What did I do? But I mean, being in 20 states and sending it off to uh, Kuwait, I believe you said, it's such an yep. amazing accomplishment. Thank and you. so um, that's number one. And number two is um, 
I think that, you know, just as an entrepreneur and the journey that you're on and the story that you're telling and your dedication to the social media and to the product and, and learning and keeping an open mind, it's just, you're, you're doing a great job, Spencer. And, you know, I love the entrepreneurs. I love food entrepreneurs, especially obviously in beverage and nutrition and that whole world, just because we're doing something tangible and we get to learn our lessons in a different way and uh, people get to enjoy what we do and in, in the food that we do. So um, that's pretty, pretty awesome as well. Um, so my last question is going to be this. Um, what do you love about the stuff that you do? And is there, there anything in particular that you hate about the daily routine, you know, that you, you dislike about, you know, running your own company? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll start, I'll start with the, with the hate one. Um, you know, I, I really hate cleaning. Uh, I feel like, I feel like as, as soon as I get everything, you know, fully cleaned up, get all the cookers clean, to get everything put away, uh, stuff like that. And I feel like it doesn't take me more than, you know, six hours to all of a sudden I look and I'm like, man, how did this mess get here already again? Um, you know, but really, you know, outside of that, you know, I, there's nothing I really, you know, hate or, you know, would, would really gripe about it, which, I mean, I guess maybe is, is a good way of letting me know that it's the right thing to, to keep pursuing. Um, I, I really love hearing feedback from people, especially people that I don't know. Um, I really love when I go to a brewery and somebody maybe didn't tell me anything too much in, in person. They bought, you know, one $5 bag of beef jerky. They went back to their table. They had some beer and they ate it. But then I get home and I see either a review or a comment on Instagram or um, even better. Sometimes I see like an order, you know, where they ordered like three flavors because they tried that one $5 piece and they were like, all right, I, I need to see what this is all about, you know? And I, I love hearing that. And I love seeing uh, people order where I can't really figure out how they found me. That was another thing that really started to open my eyes about, you know, what I have going on here and how successful, you know, this could be is when I get an order from a state that has never ordered from, and I look and I'm like, I, I have no idea who this person is. You know, there's no, there's no connection with me and them other than, somehow they stumbled upon me. I don't know if it was through word of mouth or Google or, you know, how they found me, but you know, I, I love hearing customer feedback and just seeing people order. Like I said, that I have no idea how they could have found me. Yeah. And, um, I, I kind of lied, I guess I do have one more question, but I want to touch upon something sure. that you're talking about is, and, you know, I love looking at industries and economies and the 10,000 foot view and what's going on. And I've talked about it on the podcast about coffee and the niches that are happening in coffee or the niches that are happening in jellies and jams and stuff like that. But the same thing's happening in beef jerky. It's like, you know, I can remember going to the store as a kid. There were maybe two options of beef jerky, maybe like if I was lucky, but now like there's companies and, and entrepreneurs like you that are, are going out there and creating these beef jerky brands. And like you said, you're working with breweries, which I think is also, but now I have so many options and I can actually have a beef jerky that's true to me, you know, that I like, that's not just your stereotypical teriyaki only, or, you know, original or whatever spicy, which are the three flavors I think I grew up with that I can't, 
you know, remember any other kind. But now you have people like you going out there and, and creating all these different flavors. And, and I have options and I can have options and brands that are true to me, you know, that are, that are me as an individual. Yeah. I don't just have to eat. I like beef jerky. Oh, I'm stuck with these flavors. No. If I like the Old Bay flavor, which I'm sure I will, that can be my beef jerky, and I can order that, and I don't have to worry about what other ones are out there. I get my own you know, brand of coffee. I get my own jelly that I like that just happens to be a pineapple pepper jelly from the South, and I get my own you know, people that like certain type of whiskeys. You don't have to buy the standard big brands anymore, so it's the same with the beef jerky, I feel like. Um, so my last question is this, since I, I do have one more question, um, is, um, why did you want to be on the podcast? You know, uh, the reason I did is I, I actually saw, well, I, I, like I said, I can't remember. You said maybe, maybe it was while you're down the Virgin islands, but I saw your social media presence, even since you started the Instagram, I first followed you, I saw it kind of expanding and expanding and it's one of those things, you know, I, I, I've typed up some of my story before and posted that on social media, but I did want to, you know, be able to elaborate even more or even bring up questions that maybe I wouldn't have thought of or things like that. Because going along this brewery scene and stuff like that, I've gotten a lot of questions there from people that I never thought of. And I never knew that maybe a person would even have about my company and stuff like that. So I definitely wanted to you know, kind of, you know, have a platform to talk a little bit more on it, talk a little bit more in depth. Um, let me answer these things, you know, out loud and honestly, a little bit better than maybe I can, you know, type up into words as well. Um, and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I want to do as, as we wrap up here, because I'm, I'm trying to find new angles and ways to, to keep things interesting. And I do talk about, obviously I want to have you back on the podcast and, you know, eight to 10 months from now and uh, record another episode so we can continue to tell your story because I think it's so important that people not only hear it now, but continue to hear it as you grow and, and really get to live the entrepreneurial journey with you. But I'd also love to maybe get with you one of these times I'm back in DC visiting my family. And now that we're going to have the mobile studio, basically, is being able to set it up in one of these breweries where you bring a bunch of your products and we actually sit down and talk to people and people get to taste the beer with what you're doing. And, um, and that'll give me a little time because from when I record, from when we release your episode, we have a little bit of time so I can coordinate that with you. But I want to talk about it actually while we're recording, because I think it would be such a cool concept and I want to plug it into this podcast because when we do another podcast, hopefully soon, right after this one's released and launch that we do something where we're actually going, I'm going with you and we go to the brewery and people are trying your, your beef jerky and we do a little thing on, on that and how that's marketed as an educational piece to help promote you as well. So um, I don't know when we'll do that. I got to figure out my schedule, but I just wanted to put it out there and maybe you'd be interested in doing something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's an awesome idea. I wouldn't even have thought, you know, of or even thought was possible. Um, I actually do have an event this weekend on Saturday over at Mustangs Valley. Um, they've been in business three years now, so I'm going to be there and, and, you know, help kick off their birthday celebration, so to speak. And um, that's something I'll definitely run by them while I'm there on, on Saturday. And, and I almost guarantee you without even talking to them that they would be interested in that and would love, you know, 
what exposure that brings them as well. Yeah, and if I could, you know what would be a great thing is, um, and everyone can hear it on the podcast, how my brain thinks, is that I'd love to do record an episode with them like I'm doing with you now. Uh, tell their story, and then when that way I can sort of couple you guys again, like we talked about with the honey, where I couple a group of episodes around you guys, and then also then do an episode where I'm at their location with you, people are trying the beef jerky, and then that's sort of the, the finishing off episode and really tying everything together. Because I think that that'd be so cool to tie it all together for you guys, your different pieces, the honey the um the beef jerky and then the breweries and then do an episode right at the breweries so if if you don't mind helping with that and and just talking to them and communicating with them i'd love to turn this into a little like you know spencer's jerk and jerky um you know little mini series if you will of podcasts yeah, no, I'll definitely talk to them on Saturday and be in touch with you to see what they say. I, like I said, I definitely think they would be would be down with that, even uh, recording their own episode as well. Like I said, uh, the thought of making a miniseries is, is awesome to me. And, you know, that really is one of my favorite breweries in the area. There's so many breweries around here. I mean, there's, I don't know, 15 or 20 that are probably 15 or 20 minutes closer to my house than they are. But what brings me back to that brewery is just, not only the atmosphere and the great beers and stuff like that, but just the people that work there are so welcoming and I've never had a bad experience there. The it's to the level of, the, of respect where when I'm there, I feel like the patrons think that I actually work for the brewery. You know, <laughs> they don't see me as an outside vendor. Um, you know, I can walk in the kitchen. I can, you know, I can, you know, do stuff like that. You know, they give me beer ahead of time before it's released, before it's tapped. Um, stuff that I never thought I would say, uh, you know, growing up as a kid that, you know, I get unreleased beers, you know, provided to me. But um, it, it's a great place and I'll definitely talk to them and, uh, you know, let you know uh, when, you know, or how to link up with them to, uh, get, you know, get the ball rolling on that. Yeah. Um, and I love it because it's sort of what we talked about. It's you're infusing their products into your jerkies and stuff like that and things like that. And there's the cross relationship, but we also could do it from a media standpoint on this podcast to sort of cross pollinate that environment and really just do something different in the podcasting world. And, so, again, I'll wait a little bit before the audience knows we release this from recording because I actually want to stage this and get it together and do this huge marketing media launch for you because I really love what you're doing and I love your story, um, really, and, and what you're doing. So, let's, you know, we'll do that and direct message me, uh, Spencer. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me, and, which is good. Sure. And because uh, I want the audience to know that if you're interested and you like what we're doing on the podcast or you like Justin, the food entrepreneurs, please share what we're doing. Please share Spencer's story and, and, and try some of his beef jerky. But if you're interested in being on the podcast, direct message me. I do have an email. It's justin at thefoodentrepreneurs.com. But direct messaging is the easiest way to get through to me directly through my the Instagram, just uh, at Justin and the food entrepreneurs, because I'm always on there marketing or grabbing people's feeds and reposting them and coming soon or this is the episode and trying to promote what everyone else is doing on their social media feeds and so um thank you again Spencer for being on the podcast I really enjoyed getting to know you and uh, I look forward to this next journey and and doing putting together this little mini series hopefully 
Um, so as we finish up, will you quick tell people again how they can find you on social media and your website? Yeah, so if you type in Spencer's Jerky pretty much anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, you should see Spencer's Jerk and Jerky pop up. You can find me, uh, you know, look at all my pictures, read my story there. You can also place, you know, orders directly on spencersjerkandjerky.com. Um, I ship worldwide. You know, I, I'll get it to you, you know, as quickly as possible and as fresh as possible. It's Everything's made to order fresh for you. Um, that's the easiest way. If, if you go through Instagram, you can find directly how to purchase right through my stories, right through my posts. And then you can actually almost track your order, you know, as it's being made and then even see me drop it in the mailbox when it's on the way for you. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, thank you again, because really I... Um, this podcast inspires me, but you've really inspired me and motivated me and, and helped me come up with this mini series idea. And uh, again, what you're doing with the jerky and, and mixing in the beers and the, the flavor, I love that concept and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, so again, thank you, Spencer, seriously for taking the time to be on the podcast. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. All right. And everyone who's listening again, Please share it, and we love you guys, and my gratitude goes out to all of you for taking the time all across the world for listening to the podcast and, and giving these entrepreneurs a chance and hearing their story and the willingness to learn, and uh, all the entrepreneurs who are on the podcast, I thank you for having the vulnerability and authenticity to share your story so other people can learn. Uh, again, I'm Justin Bizarro. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And I'm the host of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. And everyone have a great day and thank you for listening in. Mm-hmm.